Welcome to the Passive Investing Show, a show that teaches you how to take your hard-earned cash and have it work hard for you, regardless of whether or not you continue to work hard for it. And now, here are your hosts, Jay Scott and Ashley Wilson. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Passive Investing Show. I'm Ashley Wilson, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Jay Scott. And on today's episode, we are interviewing Don Spafford. Don has a background in finance and securities investing, and then later transitioned into real estate investing. Specifically, he has built a RV portfolio. Pretty interesting. What do you think, Jay? Yeah, he uh, he buys and invests in RV parks. He syndicates those investments, which, which means he basically makes investments available to passive investors like you and me. Um, and on this episode, we're talking all about how RV park investments work. So what is an RV park? For those who don't know, we talk about that. And honestly, and uh, as, as I talk about on this episode, I had no idea until a year ago. We talk all about how the income and the expenses shake out for RV parks, um, what, what you can do as a park owner to set yourself apart, so what your operators may be doing to set themselves apart from other operators, what the returns look like, and basically everything you need to know if you're considering making an investment into an RV park. Fantastic episode today, and, and Don's a great guy. Don is a great guy. It was clear to me, and I'm guessing it was clear to you, he's pretty passionate about RV parks. He invests a lot of parks local, local to where he lives, and that's kind of how he stumbled into it. But you can learn more in just a little bit as we bring him on and he tells you all about his journey with investing in RV parks and you can too. So stay tuned to the end of the episode where you can find out how you can get in contact with Don and also how you can watch more episodes on passive investing at the passiveinvestingshow.com. Absolutely. So without any further ado, let's welcome Don Spafford to the show. Don, welcome to the Passive Investing Show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Uh, we're thrilled to have you here. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's an honor for me to, to be on uh, you know, one of your, I guess, first episodes. We're really excited to have you on. And we were wondering if you can start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you landed it with RV Parks. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it, I, I could, I'd be lying if I said that, you know, I did this intentionally. Uh, it was kind of all kind of happened just organically as as I moved and progressed through real estate investing, as I'm sure you know both of you have. I've, I've heard your stories in the past. You know, I, I started out buying fourplexes, knowing that I wanted to get into some type of multifamily early on. So I bought fourplexes, and then uh, I had planned to to continue scaling with with that. Um, and then just after I saved my third fourplex, I got into some other commercial opportunities. Um, so new, new development and land flipping, and then uh, uh, some some build to rent, ground up development of multifamily, um, and then just in pursuit of trying to find more uh, you know value add multifamily deals, uh, I I came across um, RV campgrounds. Um, so I live in eastern Idaho, very close to Yellowstone Park. So this is a very high camping area. All my neighbors have RVs and campers, and it's a whole lifestyle here. And I heard about campgrounds on a podcast. Uh, I think last summer. Uh, and that's really what got me thinking about that and, and looking more into it. And I started attending to attending webinars and, and going to meetups uh, with people in that space and uh, reaching out to them and, and trying to just connect with people in, the, in doing that and learn more about it. Um, and then I, I met a couple guys that uh, had had just bought their first one, um, and uh, you know we discussed you know their goals, and my goals, and what we're looking to do. And 
Um, and then, 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 so they, they essentially invited me to, to join up with them. And, and, uh, you know, now we're here with happy camper capital and, uh, you know, we're, we now syndicate RV campgrounds. That's awesome. And if we could just back up one step, um, for yeah. our listeners who don't know what an RV campground is, can you just start from the basics? Yeah, for sure. So there's a, obviously a big misconception when, when you even say that most people in their mind, they think mobile home parks, for example, and it's nothing like that at all. Uh, and there's also not the like the side of the road, you know, off the off the highway place, just pull over and park and sleep and, and head out the next day. That's not it either. Um, these are more like full on resort style destination campsites. You know, you're going with your, your RV, your camper and you go in there to uh, maybe spend a weekend or a week or a month or, you know, whatever, just to you know be there and have fun and uh, enjoy being outdoors with your friends and family. Um, but still have a privacy of your own space with your you know camper RV. Um, on our campgrounds, of course, there are still other like cabins and, and other uh, like short-term rental type clamping experiences that people can come and do. Uh, so we don't have an RV or, or campers. I mean, you can't still go out and, and, and go there. Uh, but these places have, for example, they have swimming pools and um, activities, you know, things going on. So you're, you're there, you know, to have fun, not just to, you know, cook s'mores or something. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, before COVID, I'm, I'm a big city kind of guy. I've, I've grown up, I've lived in Baltimore, I've lived in San Francisco, I've lived in Atlanta. So um, I never really had much experience with RV parks. And then COVID came along and a good friend of mine bought an RV and um, they started disappearing every weekend. Literally every weekend, they would yeah. they'd leave Friday night, they'd come back Sunday night. And one day I said, like, where are you guys going? What are you doing? And there's an RV park about uh, 45, 50 minutes from where I live. And literally every weekend, they'll go, they've got their own spot at the RV park. Uh, I think they rent, although I guess you can also buy spots. And I guess we can talk about that. Um, but they've made friends there. There's amenities there. There's like, uh, like you said, there's some people that do the glamping. There's some people that do the RV park. Um, and, and so it's, it's really, it's a, it's a kind of a resort destination to an extent for them. Yeah. And so it, it was interesting. I have a feeling that with COVID, and again, we can talk about this. I have a feeling with COVID, the, the whole RV park uh, experience um, has probably kind of come into the foreground for a lot of people who may never have known what it was before. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So for me, I grew up in, in a small town in Nebraska, just, just north of Omaha. Um, and, you know, even back then in, say, the, the you know early 90s, uh, there was a couple of these these campsites, marinas there uh, that, that uh, you know, people were going to all the time. And I'd hear about it in school. I'm like, what is this place? You know, I, I thought it was like some kind of bar or something. And then later found out it's like, okay, it's like the, this is, you know, marina campground place where people just go and, and have fun. Uh, and, and yeah, that's, that's these have been around for, you know, for obviously forever. But uh, like you said, they've kind of gone more, I think with, with COVID stuff, it definitely pushed things forward for sure. Uh, as, as people can't go travel other places, you know, like even my, my case, you know, my family had planned an international trip in 2020 and we had to cancel that. You know, so if people can't take trips, they can't go out to, you know, wherever they want to go for a vacation. Well, the next best thing is something here somewhat close by within, a, you know, maybe a couple of hour drives where you live and uh, you can still be there and be outdoors, but, you know, have fun and hang out with people and, and have that interaction that you can't really get other places. So from an investment standpoint, what is it that attracted you or attracts you to RV parks versus mobile home parks or multifamily or self-storage or something that's more, I guess, traditional um, commercial real estate? What is it that that you really like about RV parks? Yeah, well, there's multiple aspects of it. I mean, from the, the purely, say, investment side of it um, is just the, well, two things, I guess. One is there's right now anyway a lot less competition so we're not competing against 20 other offers to to you know have to weigh overpay for something to to get it um so we can keep our our purchase price at a reasonable level to to produce those better in, uh, incomes for for the returns 
Um, and then two is that, um, well, it's, it's, you know, something unique and different that, uh, you know, other people aren't doing really. So it stands out. So if I go to a meetup and I'm with other multifamily investors, for example, um, you know, they're, they're sharing their deals here and there, A, B, C, and D. They're all pretty much about the same. Nothing really stands out. And I can say, hey, I've got campgrounds. And they're like, well, what's that? <laughs> so it's something different that people aren't, aren't familiar with. And, um, and then I get to tell them about the returns they're getting. That's, you know, they're like, wow, that's, that's amazing. So I, I definitely, I, I want to jump into the returns. But beforehand, just again, for those who may not be familiar, like again, Two years ago, I would have known nothing about RV parks. Can you talk to us a little bit about what is what is what encompasses a park? What's the typical size? Is it ten RV spaces or five hundred RV spaces? Uh, what what's like the infrastructure look like? So obviously, you probably have water and electric. What else? What else do you need in terms of infrastructure? What is the what is the the, the real estate part of an RV park actually encompass? Yeah, sure. So. So for, for what we're doing with Happy Camper Capital, uh, we're, we're looking at larger sizes, you know, so so we're talking about at least 100 or so uh, pad sites and up. Um, many of these places have, have been mom and pop owned like for, for generations, we'll say, you know, decades, um, anywhere from small sizes to, to large sizes. Um, they've only recently in the last few years become more institutional with, with uh, you know, larger, uh, you know, investment companies buying them. Um, so yeah, you can, you can get them in any size really if, if you want to get started small and, and um, you know, I've seen some for like said around that probably that 10, 20 space, um, campsites. Uh, but those are going to be quite a bit more, uh, I'd say labor intensive for, for you as the owner to, to operate that. Um, but for what we're doing at our scale, we, of course, we're going to have, you know, on-site campsite managers and, and staff there to, to run everything. Um, we have our own internal management company as well that, that, uh, oversees all of that. Um, but as far as the, like you said, the real estate goes, it, we're talking about, you know, of course, many acres, uh, first of all, which is the land, but. Um, there's going to be all these all these pad sites, like you said, are going to have electric and water sewer connections. That's you know obviously a, a, a necessity to have that there for everybody. But then beyond that, there's going to be all depends on on the location and what's what's there and what's going on. You know, we we purchase across the country, so each location is going to be unique unique in its own way with uh, different amenities. Um, you know, some locals could have swimming pools or or even water parks. Um, you know, a lot of these places do uh, like like the one in Nebraska that I grew up next to. They do like almost like every weekend, like a concert event and, and, you know, people come just come and hang out and have fun party, even if you're not there camping. Um, so we got some of those that we're looking at putting in some, some, uh, like weekend concert events, uh, where you just, you know, summer events, whatever it may be. Um, if there's water features like a river, lake, uh, pond, something there, you know, we could look at some, some type of, uh, you know, like, uh, paddleboard rentals or, or, uh, ski jet or what do you call them? Jet skis. <laughs> uh, you know, any type of anything you do in water, you know, you can, you can incorporate that in one way or another to, to have, you know, people rent things to, to have fun there. So the, the actual building structures are usually not a lot. You know, you might have a, a convenience store or restaurant or something else on site. Um, but it's mostly going to be all this, the, the land with just those, those site connections. Uh, almost you think of like a, a mobile home park without all the mobile homes. So diving into the real estate just a bit further, what does the zoning look like? You mentioned that you're buying properties throughout the country. What current zoning or have you done any zoning conversion so that you can make it a mobile home park or excuse me, a um, RV park? So, so far we are, we are buying existing properties. Um, so the zoning has already been done for them. We don't have to like, change anything. Um, the only type of approval we need to get in most cases is, is to add on more because we obviously want to expand these out. Um, again, we're, we're buying value add, not, so not just you know turnkey and keep it running as is. Uh, we're buying ones that we can improve on, either improve their their systems, um, the location itself, uh, and in most cases expand as well and add on more sites. 
Um, so, so a lot of that zoning is, is basically already taken care of for us. Um, you know, we're not we're not uh, we're not doing any ground up new development of them just yet. Um, we do have that in the plans probably in the next you know couple of years, but for right now we're, we're just pursuing the existing uh, and, and making them better. Switching topics a little bit um, and looking more at the economics, you're talking about buying value add um, RV parks and with respect to pursuing value add, what does the timeline look like, the cost of making those improvements? Is it um, a management play? Is it uh, more the aesthetics of the park? What are you tackling when you say that you are doing value add <laughs> um, RV yeah. investments? There's multiple aspects to it. Um, so it's not, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, most people are familiar with, with multifamily, obviously. And so it's not quite as simple as going in and, you know, replacing the flooring and painting new appliances. Um, that That's pretty simple. You know, we're, we're, we're multifaceted, I'd say. Um, n- the number one thing for most of these places um, is just getting them a better online presence. You know, so we can, uh, with our with our management company, go in and improve the website, make it so it's even people can find it. Um, and include online reservations with dynamic pricing. Uh, many of these places, again, you know, our mom and pop owns say they may have a website, usually not that great, uh, and they generally would only take like phone call reservations. So they, they you know keep the the same price every day of the week, every month of the year. So when somebody calls and says, "How much is it?" they'll say, "Is this much per night?" So um, we're improving that process right there just to get more people to to come there if they can find us online and, and get there with with the online reservation. It makes it much simpler. So that alone generally adds on at least another five percent uh, revenue. Um, then of course the, the, the streamline of the, the management itself, um, you know, the, again, being a mom and pop place, usually the, the owners are also the operators. They're doing the job of like six people usually. Um, so they're, you know, spread thin for sure. Um, so, so we want to put in the full on staff there, of course, with the campsite manager and sufficient staff to handle all the, the needs and activities going on to make sure all the people are taken care of and, uh, everything runs smoothly. Um, and, uh, and then of course, just from there, it's going to be, uh, like I was talking about before all the, the amenities, um, uh, if that be adding on, uh, a convenience store or something, if it's not already existing, um, or, or adding on other f- features that people want to see and, and need like, uh, you know, clean bathrooms and good, strong Wi-Fi. Um, as we talked about earlier with, with, uh, the pandemic part of, part of the reason why I think we've seen an increase in, in the, the usage of these places is people can work remotely now more than they could before. Uh, and so, you know, for example, somebody that doesn't have, responsibilities like I say children or something that, that keeps them tied down to certain locations. Like if they have the opportunity now to, to work wherever it's like, they don't may not want to be tied down to one place and uh, can, can travel and, and work someplace and live someplace new every week, month and, uh, and, and be on the road. So, um, so they want, of course, therefore a good Wi-Fi to, to be able to uh, do their work and, and, or podcasts or, you know, or whatever they do, uh, these RV life, YouTube people. Um, and then, uh, you know, from there, it's just kind of, Whatever else makes sense to do for the site. Um, like I said, we, we had one earlier in, in Florida that we were working on that we were looking to add on a, a, a full-on water park uh, as part of the, the campsite itself. Um, in some cases, it's something else simple, like adding on some additional like a RV storage uh, or just expansion. Like I said, adding more more pad sites. Um, in, in some cases, they may also have in, include a marina as well. So uh, we look at how we can make their marina better. Um, would that be, of course, adding on more docks or... or um, other improvements just to, to make it better with, with, uh, the things that people need there. Um, and, and, uh, another big thing right now where we're on most of the ones we, we acquire, we're improving the connections. So, uh, again, all these sites already have a, 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 electrical water sewer connections. Um, but as we know, many more electric vehicles are starting to come on the market. Uh, people are getting electric trucks and even electric RVs now. Uh, and so the standard, you know, 
connections that are on site there are, won't be able to handle that. You know, so as we're making these improvements, we're just already pushed them up to to beyond what's required now to be ready for all those electric vehicles as they come through. So, so again, if somebody's looking online, they'll say, "Hey, where can I plug in my electric truck?" It's like, "Oh, this this place has it." So they'll they'll come to us versus the the one down the road. Um, so, so, so again, it's kind of just multifaceted of, of different things that we do to to uh, change the uh, the management, the softwares, the um, you know, the amenities available, and just kind of everything. There's a lot of lot of steps involved. You know, it's I find it's really interesting. So Ashley and I obviously come from the multifamily space, where the vast majority of our income comes from monthly rent, and then we work really hard to figure out what are those additional income streams that we can implement to supplement the monthly rent. But at the end of the day, I mean, that might be 2% or 5%, or if we do a really good job, it might be 10% of the total income coming from additional income. Sounds like with RV parks, maybe 10 or 20 years ago, the bulk of the income came from renting the space. But these days, between things like a convenience store or a restaurant or a water park um, or all these additional uh, uh, EV parking spaces, it sounds like you might actually be making more money from the quote unquote additional income <laughs> than you make from the traditional income of renting the space. How does that typically work when you go to underwrite a deal? How do you look at the income in terms of, um, of rental income versus all that other additional income? And how does that compare generally to, let's say, somebody that would rent a hotel room for the night? Can you even mm-hmm. think of it in those terms? Yeah. So I, I say that the, the bulk of the income still does come from the, the rental of the spaces. Um, but but yeah, we also can, can add on additional income streams just to inc- improve o- the overall NOI uh, by doing these other things as well. Um, but, uh, you know, so the way I can compare this to people that try to understand, like, what's what's the income generation here come from as compared to, like, say, a mobile home park, for example, or, uh, or even a hotel. But um so if you think about it, you know, people that are familiar with real estate, they generally are going to know what is a, what's a short-term rental, right? You know, so you've got your Airbnb properties that generally are going to inc- have, have higher income than a standard long-term rental, you know, a similar property. Uh, so these uh, RV campsites are basically, uh, you know, short-term rentals on a multifamily scale. You know, so so uh, so with that, you know, we when we acquire a property, it kind of depends on how it was has been run previously. Like a lot of the places, again, being mom and pop makes them more simplified for them. If they have more long term renters that that are there for, for like I say seasonal or or even almost, some cases almost living there permanently, uh, we try to change that over more to more the transient type uh, people that come there. So so they're there for a weekend, a week, maybe a month, um, not you know there for very long term. Uh, and because that transient population is what really brings in the, the higher revenues. Um, same as like a you know, short-term rental. You got it. People coming in every couple of days, then, then you're doing greater than, uh, you know, maybe somebody that rents it for a full month and might get a discount, you know. So so that's kind of what we're shooting for there with, with that. And, and those other amenities, although, yes, they bring in some additional revenue on their own, but they're also there to attract people to come there to begin with. You know, so so if uh, you know you're looking at a place to go and stay as you're visiting, say, I don't know, the Disney World or something, but and uh, you want to stay in a campsite nearby, you're gonna look for the one that's got the cooler stuff to go do, yeah, not just the the plain basic one. Um, so even though we may be charging the same price us versus the one down the road, but we've got this other cool stuff that you can do while you're there too. Then uh, we'd be the the choice, you know. And, and using a hotel comparison, it's like can, can saying, okay, do you want to stay at a Motel Six just to have a place to sleep, or do you want to stay at like a you know Hyatt or, or something that has uh, you know nice breakfast and, and and a swimming pool and all this other stuff that you have there. Yeah, uh, and I guess you also have that big hurdle, which is you have to own an RV. Um, <laughs> well, at least for some not part. necessarily. Yeah, 
I mean, so so again, with a lot of these, lot of these places, we'll have on-site like cabins or or uh, other glamping options, like like a a, a, a camper on-site or or something else more unique to the property that you can come there and stay at as a traditional short-term rental. So you can just drive there with your you know Honda Civic and uh, and you know still stay there on-site for the to, to have fun with the amenities or the concert or whatever's going on, but uh, also then stay in, in the in the on-site cabin or something to make it uh, more unique. Yeah, and, and I think that was a really good overview from the income side. Let's jump to the expense side. Um, so obviously, any for the additional income, if you're going to have a restaurant or a convenience store, obviously that's going to be its own set of expenses. Right. Um, but for, let's say, let's call it the core infrastructure, um, it sounds like you have um, the utilities, so electric, water, sewer, um, you have management, um, I guess you probably make uh, internet available to to all of your guests. Um, what else is involved on the expense side, and and what does the typical expense ratio look like? Is it is it similar to 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 rental real estate at about fifty percent, or is it a lot lower, a lot higher? Yeah, so we, we generally um, at least when we're when we're doing initial underwriting, we'll, we'll estimate around fifty percent because yeah, it's, it's around. It's around there, you know. You you might get some close to forty, some maybe up to sixty. Kind of depends, varies, but but around that fifty percent range is, is where we shoot for. Um, and yeah, obviously that some of the, the bigger expenses are going to be the this the management. We've got not just our typical you know pro- property manager expense. We've got to pay for the, the the property onsite manager, the the staff, um, and then uh, of course you got like I said a lot of a lot of those utilities, uh, especially previously generally the the owner pays all the utility costs. People just come to connect to the water and sewer and electric and. Um, and just have that included. Um, we, of course, are as we're upgrading the the systems, we're we're putting things on there to to essentially charge that back. So when they come in, like you know, as soon as they connect to to the thing, it will start charging. You know how much they use for electricity, especially of course the RV, the electric vehicles. They're going to be using much more than a standard you know uh, RV or, or camper. Um, so we want to uh, have that on there. So so essentially when they Kind of like when you go to like a a parking garage, you get a ticket when you come in, and when you leave, you got to put it in and say you pay for how many hours you've been there. You know, so kind of similar to that. You know, when they'll they'll check in, they'll get connected, then it will link up to to an online platform that immediately starts charging them for, for the usage of of those utilities. So when they leave, then that's you know essentially charged to their account. Um, so that's one improvement we're doing to to remove some of those uh, expenses from the utilities. Um, you know, for another kind of big one, I guess, is um, insurance. Um, you know, you wouldn't really think there's a whole lot of insurance for, for land, but, um, again, it's not, um, there's more, more of, I guess, liability insurance, you know, people could, could come here and, and drown or, or get injured if there's a tornado or something could come through, you know, so, uh, we want to have that kind of extra protection just for, for things like that. Um, you know, not that of course, you know, in, in a, in a, in a apartment building, you think maybe there's a fire or a flood or something, but, um, in this case, it's more of for that other aspect to, to for protection in case somebody gets injured. Um, and of course, you know, if there is an actual disaster like a, a, or the river floods or something, then yeah, we have insurance for the loss of income and things. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's additional cost as well. That's generally probably a little bit higher than than um, most multifamily um, of a similar type. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so those are I think the the, the big expenses generally are going to be the, the the staffing and and uh, um, utilities. So looking at cap rates. Um, are the cap rates compressing right now because of COVID or are they staying relatively stable? What does it look like compared to traditional uh, rental real estate? Yeah, well, they are compressing. I don't, I wouldn't say it's related to COVID uh, necessarily. Um, it's more because of there's more people getting into the space now. 
Um, a couple years ago, when uh, when Hampton Camper was first uh, started, you know, when, when uh, these guys bought, bought their first property, um, cap rates around then were probably around twelve percent generally uh, on most of them. Um, currently, we're we're probably around in the range of between eight to ten. Uh, you know, it's varying. Um, and again, part of that is there just has not been a whole lot of people getting into this this type of property to to, uh, to purchase for for investment, other than you know, again, family owner operated type type people. Um, so as more competition comes in and, and more people are, are buying these at a now institutional level, uh, that alone is, is what's causing the, these camp rates to, to compress some as, as the, of course, the price for them go up. Um, I can't even believe that you just mentioned a double digit cap rate. <laughs> so I am more than excited about this because in the multifamily space, which Jay and I are both in, um, it is definitely in the single digits. <laughs> We're yeah. looking at properties that sometimes even have a two cap rate. So this is just unbelievable <laughs> to see, yeah. um, you know, 10 to 12 uh, range on the cap rate. So with that, obviously comes a much stronger return. So in terms of return expectations, what should investors expect on a typical investment? Yeah, so again, that's going to depend if you're looking to buy it on your own, just to, to run it and operate it yourself. Um, you know, I, I won't give those numbers because that's, of course, going to vary based, based on a lot of things. Um, for our typical deals that we put out, um, and, and we we provide deals for both accredited and non-accredited investors, uh, kind of it varies depending on the, on the property itself. But generally, that what the the target we shoot for for an LP investor in our deals um, is between a, a like a, a cash on cash of between fifteen to twenty percent um, with a you know, twenty five percent IRR roughly, um, and and which equates out to about a three x multiple over a five year hold. So generally, about doubles what most other multifamilies are doing right now. Wow, yeah, that's that's great returns. Um, so you mentioned cash flow fifteen to twenty percent. You mentioned compounded return of about twenty percent IRR. You mentioned hold time of about five years. I guess the, the big question I would have because those numbers obviously are great. Where are the risks? So as an investor. Um, what should I be thinking about in terms of where could I potentially lose money or where could, uh, what could happen that I could potentially not hit these potential returns? Um, what, what, are the, what are the risks in this space? Yeah, so it kind of depends on, on I guess, how you look at it. Um, for, from my perspective, there, there's very little risk, you know, but of course I've educated myself enough on this space that I, I know, but, you know, somebody new coming in looking out and saying, oh, I want to, I want to maybe invest in that, but I don't know enough about it. Um, the, the biggest questions I get asked from people is, is, uh, one about, you know, gas prices as we see that going up, it's like, okay, if gas prices are going up, are people still going out camping? Uh, well, like you mentioned, your neighbors that are out every weekend. Yes, they, they still are going out. You know, they may not take a cross country trip to drive from say, you know, uh, Colorado to, to Florida to go to Disney world, but, um, they'll drive that two hour drive or so close by to go to these campsites and, and still go out and have fun and, and enjoy being around people. Um, so that, so, so how we get around that risk is the properties that we target are generally going to be within about a two or three hour drive of a major population center, uh, you know, a growing city that that's not necessarily decreasing. So uh, we have that built in user base because, because as of is right now, there are more campers and RVs that are owned by people than there are campsites to hold them all. You know, so if, if, if everybody wanted to go out the same weekend that they would not be able to go <laughs> camping. Um, so, so there's a huge user base that that's built into these. And so if we have that close, uh, that close uh, uh, users that are they're going to come out there like your your friends every weekend, then then that's very very low risk for us. Uh, no matter what's going on around the world, people are still want to go out and and have fun. And especially you know people that own campers and RVs, those are expensive toys to have set in their driveway if they're not using them. So they're going to go out there and, and get the most out of it. 
Um, so that's one risk that that you know people ask that you know we 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 deal with um, with that location. Um, I guess the only other real risk would would be if uh, just something's going on in the world where, where people just are not going anywhere or doing anything. If it's like a complete total shutdown, uh, not maybe not necessarily to, to pandemic, maybe some other we'll think of like a terrorist attack type stuff going on. And of course, and that's completely out of anybody's control on that. Um, but uh, if, one one thing that we look at is if if worse comes to worse and whatever happens that people just are not camping anymore, if, if that were to happen, you know, we can easily convert these places into like a long term stay, you know, so we can totally turn it into just a, a standard mobile home park or, or drop in some like tiny homes cabins, just turn it into like a whole like tiny home community or something. Um, so, so that's some of our extra strategies that we could do if, if it, you know, absolutely came to that. Um, but as far as that, I mean, there, there's, there's really, I'd say very little risk, uh, just because again, there's, we don't have to worry about evictions or eviction moratoriums. You know, you know people are, are not there on contracts. They prepay to come. Um, if, if somebody were to overstay their welcome and not leave when they're supposed to, we can just, you know, call the local police and, and escort them off for trespassing, you know, so, um, much, much easier process with if all that, um, we don't have to worry about, again, you know, replacing carpets and, and, and appliances at every turnover, um, you know, very little on that regard of it to worry about it being vacant for extended period of time. Um, so, so yeah, overall there's, there's really very low risk involved, um, you know, I guess that sounds like it's pretty recession resistant as well. Yeah, I, I think so. Definitely. Uh, again, it, it's, it's, you know, and like you said with your neighbors and I see it with my neighbors as well, they're, they're out all the time. You know, so uh, it's, it's not likely they're going to just all of a sudden stop. Let me ask. Uh, so a lot of LPs, passive investors in real estate uh, investments um, also rely on tax advantages. I assume there's probably less tax advantages in this space simply because we're dealing with land versus improvements. Um, but are there any tax advantages or any any depreciation that's passed on uh, for maybe some of the other improvements that are made to the sites? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and like you said, yeah, there's there's no, or say no, but uh, like I said, there's a less above ground improvements um, for that, you know, get like the 100% depreciation uh, year one and stuff like that. Um, but yes, there is still depreciation included. Um, and as we do these improvements, for example, uh, we'll, we'll see those more in like year two than, than in year one. Um, cause there's generally not too many structures on site. Usually, uh, there, there can be, uh, in some cases we, we've got some that, that, uh, may have a, you know, a hotel or some other structures on site for, for other, uh, events, things that they do there. Um, so, so yeah, there still is depreciation does not maybe to the extent that, that, uh, somebody's looking for with, with multifamily, which going back to your previous comment about the, the 2% cap rates, you know, yeah, some people are <laughs> willing to invest in those types of deals that don't care about the returns. All they care about is the depreciation. They're probably not for us. You know, we're more with people that are looking for those higher returns uh, and not caring too much about the, the depreciation, even though there's still some there. So could you paint a picture for us of what a typical deal would look like? Yeah, maybe even maybe even go back to to a deal that you've done in the past or a deal you're working on. I know we we talked before you don't have any deals available open to um to to investors right now, but uh what what is a deal that look, you you've done in the past or maybe a deal that that you're working on that we may have opportunities in the future? Yeah, so um we we've got one we're closing on right now actually. Um set to close in a couple weeks uh or less than 2 weeks I guess. And I think we can talk about that one because we're, we're you know it's it's not open for investors at this point. Um uh, and hopefully if, if, if I'm wrong, let me know, <laughs> but, uh, so, so that one we're, we're, um, I guess I just won't mention where it's at maybe uh, just to help with that. But, uh, so it's one that's, um, it's, it's on a river, you know, so it's got, uh, the, the, the water there, which is great. We love having water features. Um, 
Uh, it's got about 100 existing pad sites as it is, which we're going to expand that out. Um, and there are uh, some some old structures that, that the, the previous owners have not just been, been utilizing. Uh, so what we plan to do is, one, remove that structure, which actually we have, we have the owners doing that before we close anyway. Uh, we've requested that. Um, and that was going to be actually, as we look at it, it's going to be a prime location to put like an amphitheater or something to do these like concerts, events. Um, it's got a couple of buildings on site where they used to do like farmer's markets or, or, or 4-H type events, something like that. So uh, we'll look into some, to doing something like that continuing. Uh, will that be, you know, uh, some type of big event um, or, or um, you know, uh, even like say dances or something uh, uh, every weekend or something to, to attract people. Um, so yeah, the, the, what, our, what we're shooting for is not just the people that are there to, to, to camp and, and have that lifestyle, but people that are nearby in the areas that want to come out and just have fun. Uh, so we want to track them for, for other activities as well. Because as they come there, they may not be paying for the, the camping site, but they'll still be paying for those other activities that are going on, whether the concert or which involves maybe some some uh, you know liquor sales or something with, with that. Um, uh, and other you know, family events like dances or, or 4-H or, or farmer's markets, that kind of stuff. So with this one, guess what? We're, we're expanding out all, all the, the campsites, adding on more, more campsite spaces, adding on some more, we call them glamping uh, pads that are kind of closer to, to the river, uh, which includes, of course, then some some short-term rentals. You know, having that having that river there is great again for people that want to go fishing um, and and maybe do some uh, like river uh, what do you call it the inner tube rafting whatever on the river. Uh, people do those kind of things. You know, have a place to drop them off and pick them up so they can drive them back to to the, to the campsite. Um, so so yeah, the multiple different again multiple different improvements we're going to look at doing and potentially additional additional ones that we haven't even thought of yet. Uh, as as time goes on, we we find new things that we haven't thought out before and. Uh, and add those on. Um, so it's like with that, speaking of another one we have, we have one that's in, in Iowa. It's been uh, operating for about a year now. Um, and that one's in a place where, where you know, it's kind of more seasonal. Again, we, we look at different campsites. Some are seasonal where, you know, there are these northern, northern states that maybe close down during winter. And then other ones that are year round, like in Florida or Texas. So the seasonal ones, you, you, people ask, you know, what do you do during winter? You know, you know, do they still produce income? Well, generally, you know, they're going to be producing enough income during the year anyway to make up for that period where they're, where they're not. Um, but we still find ways to to produce income one or another. That could be some some cabins on site. That could do some short term rental. Uh, maybe people come by nearby to go skiing or something. Um, and in the case in Iowa, we we had this unique opportunity come up that we didn't even think of. Um, but now we say, okay, this is actually a, a great idea. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen some of these like drive through Christmas light displays, right? Uh, so we had a, a local business owner there contact us and ask if he could uh, rent out the the campsite and, and install a, a drive through. Uh, Christmas light display. You know, like, hey, that's that's actually a pretty good idea. I mean, why is that? You know, if we we can't use anything else, then at least yeah, let's do that, and uh, we can share in the profits with him. So, um, so there's you know, like I said, there's almost almost I'd say unlimited upside in what you can actually do with these places. Um, you know, it, it's what makes it kind of unique too. Um, as opposed to again, multifamily, you can only do so much value add before you print or, or capped out what what the market's going to allow the rent to rent for. Uh, on these campsites, you you can keep doing whatever you can think of to, to make it better and improve it and, and add more revenue. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, so in terms of you go in, you're, you're now starting a fund and you're buying, you mentioned mostly from like mom and pop type uh, uh, owners who are trying, like you said, they're trying to do six jobs themselves. They're probably overworked. They're stressed. Um, so you come in and you kind of, um, I don't want to say corporatize it, but to some degree you do. You you, yeah. um, you, you put in place systems and processes and, and you really create a, a good business environment. 
who are you selling to? So are you selling to another fund? Are you selling to other mom and pop owners who are looking to come in and take over a stabilized property? Are you selling to institutional investors? Who's who's your ultimate buyer on the back end? So on, on all of our properties, the, the planned buyer is our sister company, Beyonder Camp, that does the campground management. So we, we actually intend to buy these from ourselves down the road. Um, now, at the time, of course, when 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 uh, when that time comes to sell, you know, we'll see what what's going on in the market. Of course, we'll 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 pay for it at, at market rates. But if the market is extremely hot for this asset class, um, as we suspect it probably will be in, in about five years, um, you know, we are not opposed to putting on the open market and and having somebody buy it at, like I say, two cap <laughs> by, by overpaying for for what it you know they they want to get it at. Um, so so. We are open to uh, selling it on the open market, but the intended buyer it will be our, our sister company, Beyonder Camp. That's great. Now, we're nearing the end of the show. We really want to thank you again for your time. But before we sign off, we ask every guest the same three questions. So we're going to fire away. I hope you're ready. Um, the <laughs> first good. question we ask is, what new thing outside of uh, RV parks have you recently invested in or are currently researching? Um, well, I'm not about new thing, but uh, I, I'm I'm also invested in uh, um, some ground up build to rent uh, multifamily developments. Awesome. What states do you like? Um, I'm in one that's here in Idaho uh, and and uh, one that's going to be coming up in Texas as well. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, second question. Um, is there any current legislation or regulatory environment um, issues that you feel are putting your investments at risk or could put your investment at risk, whether it's uh, the RV parks or whether it's something else you're investing in? What, what, what are you concerned about from a regulatory or, or government standpoint? Not, well, I guess I try to not worry about it too much because it's kind of one of those things out of my control anyway, you know, uh, so I just try not to waste the, the, the bandwidth on it. But um, obviously, you know, I'm sure we've all heard is uh, things thing with like 1031s and, and uh, you know, even uh, uh, capital gains taxes possibly changing. Um, so yeah, those are some some concerns for sure for, for for myself and other people. It's like obviously those are some of the advantages of, of investing in real estate. Uh, if they remove those, that you know makes it maybe a little bit less appealing. But um, at the same time, for for someone like myself that's investing more for the income anyway, then it's like well, whatever you know we'll deal with it when when we have to. But, uh, but as long as I'm making the income on it, then then that's what really what what matters for now. And finally, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received that you can share with our audience? Hmm, best. Not to put you on the spot or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Best piece of advice. Wow, that, that's that's. Hmm. Um, that, that's or what's something you wish you would have learned a long time ago that would have changed the trajectory? Oh yeah, that, that's career. that one I can easily answer. This this one I do tell everybody, <laughs> and and I learned this obviously thanks to to bigger pockets really, but. Uh, was was about house house hacking. You know, had I known about house hacking when I bought my first property in my early twenties, then I, I think I'd be in very very different position right now. Um, so, so I've of course taught my kids and everybody else that's looking to start in real estate when they're they're young. I say, hey, you got a house hack. That's the very best way you can get started with very little money and uh, just you know save that huge living expense and and save and invest for more. Great. So, how can our um, audience get in touch with you? Probably the best way would be go to our website, happycampercapital.com. Uh, we have an about us tab there and you'll see my picture and profile there. 
click on that and then at the bottom right corner there'll be a, a connect, like a connect with me button that uh, you can schedule time to talk um and then other than that i'm, I'm very active on, on linkedin mostly uh, so you can find me on linkedin and of course bigger pockets um that'd be the, the best places to get hold of me don thanks so much for being here we really appreciate it thank you i appreciate you guys it's been a pleasure thank you again don if you want to learn more about don you can check him out at happycamper.com if you want to check out more of our episodes, please subscribe to the Passive Investing Show on your favorite podcast provider. And if you want to check out more content, you can always jump over to YouTube at youtube.com slash the Passive Investing Show. Thank you again for listening. Jay and I hope this episode helped continue your journey, having your money work hard for you.